Mother's Day is around the corner and I have the best gift idea for you. Hold on to your hats. It's mylifeinabook.com. Every week, My Life in a Book will send your mom a question via email. They will compile all of your mom or the mom in your life's answers and create a legacy keepsake book. The book becomes something you and future generations can treasure forever. I gave both my mother and my mother-in-law my life in a book, and they've already started responding to the prompts. When my mother-in-law received her first prompt, she said, oh my goodness, what a thoughtful gift. And that's what we all want, right? We all want to give thoughtful gifts. So check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day, mylifeinabook.com, and use code SUSTAINABLE for 10% off today. Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. I'm Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode 95. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there and welcome back. Have you ever heard your parents or your grandparents complain that they just don't make things the way they used to? Do you find yourself saying this every once in a while as you get a bit older? It's true. Things are not made the way they used to be. Because oftentimes, products aren't made with quality parts, and they aren't made to last. This phenomenon is called planned obsolescence, and on today's show, we are discussing ways to fight back against poorly made products that are designed to break. Now, today's episode is organized into three parts, so to speak, or I like to say three acts, as they say on This American Life, three acts. Act one is all about what planned obsolescence is and what it looks like in real life. Act two is ways to fight back in general against planned obsolescence in our products and in our purchases. And act three is specifically about our smartphones, specifically what we can do to extend the life of our smartphones. Because when we talk about planned obsolescence, generally the first item that comes to mind is our smartphones. Now, before we jump right into Act 1, please know that I will be giving lots of resources on today's episode, so if you miss them, definitely go back, check out this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 095, 
mamaminimalist.com forward slash zero nine five. All right, so here we go. Act one, what on earth is planned obsolescence? Planned obsolescence is the act of deliberately building products not to last. Rather than creating something we can use for as long as possible, many companies make decisions that shorten an item's life. This is a strategic decision, right? And it turns a one-time customer into a repeat buyer. The term planned obsolescence dates back to the Great Depression, and it was coined by a real estate broker named Bernard London. He suggested that the government place fake expiration dates on products to encourage consumers to spend more money and therefore revive the struggling economy. Well, what's good for the economy is not always so great for people or for our planet. So why is planned obsolescence not so great for the planet? Well, there's a hefty environmental price to be paid when we take non-renewable resources and create goods with them. Planned obsolescence, by definition, means that we are consuming and as a result, companies are making products unnecessarily. There's also those landfills, right? Have you ever wondered what happens to all your old cell phones, for example? Let's just take cell phones as an example. All your old cell phones are probably sitting atop millions and millions of other discarded cell phones, all of which have batteries that leach toxic chemicals into our soil as they break down. Planned obsolescence is not so great for people either. There are ethical questions to be raised with regard to the cheap labor and sweatshops that are in place specifically to satisfy our demand as consumers for low prices. And then there's the fact that we as consumers are simply spending more money than we need to because the stuff we're buying breaks sooner than it should. The result is that we become repeat customers and we spend more of our hard-earned money unnecessarily. Now, what on earth does planned obsolescence look like in real life? It's when your smartphone has a major problem right after that two-year warranty is up. Many phones are made with cheap materials that companies know will last with normal use for about two years. And that is why, my friends, that warranty is just two years long. We're going to talk about cell phones in Act 3, but there's a little precursor of what's to come. Planned obsolescence is when you need a new adapter for your laptop, but the one you need is no longer sold. Planned obsolescence is when you update your phone or your computer and it suddenly breaks because your old applications no longer work with the new software you just installed. Planned obsolescence is when you buy a new electronic and the user's manual is mysteriously not in the box. You think, great, they saved a tree. That user's manual must be online. But when you go online to find that user's manual, it's nowhere to be found. And finally, planned obsolescence is when you have a small problem, like a, like a cracked cell phone screen, for example, but you have to repair it at an approved and authorized repairer at a greater expense to you and for a longer delay, or else you void your warranty. Those are all examples of planned obsolescence. And really quick, 
Planned obsolescence differs from perceived obsolescence, which is equally damaging but different. Perceived obsolescence is messaging in commercials and marketing materials that suggests that our possessions are not good enough, even when those possessions are in solid working order. Perceived obsolescence urges us to buy new stuff to replace our perfectly good stuff. And an example of this would be buying clothes that we don't need but are more trendy than our current garments, or buying an updated smartphone with features that our current phone, which still makes calls and is still perfectly fine, doesn't have. Now, we talked all about perceived obsolescence on this podcast before. The episode is called Why We Overbuy and How to Stop. Take a listen if you are interested. Moving right along to Act 2, we are flying through today, but moving right along to Act 2 is ways to fight back. I have six strategies for you. The first strategy to fight back against planned obsolescence is to not be a first adopter. Now, what on earth does that mean? The first edition of anything is going to have problems, right? That first edition will be slower than anything that comes out later. It'll be heavier and clunkier. And now, while any new product that comes to market needs first adopters to buy it and provide feedback, I suggest that you don't be one of them. I have a little story for you from my childhood. This is a true story. My father, Dad, if you're listening, thank you. My father loves technology, and he loves to be a first adopter of new technology. And when my sister and I were children, my father bought us each a brand shiny new first edition MP3 player. The concept was so awesome, right? I can play music without a CD. This was mind-blowing at the time. And for a very short amount of time, I was the cool kid because I had this cool, new, amazing gadget where you download music from the internet and put it on this handy-dandy little player. Actually, it wasn't little. That's my next point. Very soon after I got this for Christmas, and I'm talking very soon after, newer and flashier MP3 players came out. My first edition MP3 player It was huge. It was the size of a portable CD player, literally. It was heavy. It was clunky. And with all these new, sleeker, slimmer ones coming out, my MP3 player suddenly wasn't so cool anymore. Don't be a first adopter of anything. Wait until the kinks are worked out and decide whether you really need this thing before you even think about buying it. Similarly to not being a first adopter is don't chase after those latest gadgets. Do you really need an Alexa? (laughs) I don't know. Do you? Does your refrigerator really need to be connected to the internet? Companies still make watches that just tell time. Maybe you don't need a smartwatch. Companies still make refrigerators that just keep food cold. Consider those options as options that satisfy your needs. Tip number two for fighting back against planned obsolescence is to buy smarter. Now, I did an entire episode on what it really means in 2019 to be a conscious consumer. 
So I'm not going to rehash everything I already talked about on that episode on this one. I will link to it in this week's show notes if you missed it. There's a lot of really good information in that episode. But I am going to talk about how you can buy smarter by using my woeful blender story as comparison. So my blender. I registered for a blender before my wedding, and a lovely family member bought the blender that I wanted for me. Thank you to that family member. The problem is that that blender lasted for just four years before it died. Just four years. Four years, that was out of its two-year warranty. I was so annoyed. My mother, she has had her blender for over 30 years. Her blender has lasted for 30 years, but my black and stainless steel blender lasted only four. I was so frustrated. So I deliberately did not buy a blender for two years after. I thought I just didn't need one. It was it was an unnecessary purchase. I'm, I'm not having a blender in my kitchen. I was proud of that, but the day came after two years that I needed a new blender. Now, online retailers make it so easy to buy, right? I could have had a new blender in my hot little hands with the click of literally just one button and in just two days. It's so easy to buy online and it's therefore so easy to make bad purchasing decisions. I did not just go to Amazon and buy a new blender. What I did was first, I went to buymeonce.com. I've talked about buymeonce.com before, but buymeonce.com is a resource that suggests to you the best version of whatever you're looking for. So I typed in blender. It gave me a suggestion. Then I went ahead and I researched that blender. I didn't just buy it because Buy Me Once said. I then went to Consumer Reports. Consumer Reports is the only ad-free and honest evaluator of how long products last. The cheapest subscription to Consumer Reports is currently $10 per month, and that's for the digital version. So that adds up. That's $120 a year. But could you split that cost with some family members and share the subscription? That might be an especially smart choice for you if you are in the market to make a big purchase with a big price tag, like a car, let's say, and you want to make certain you're making the best choice. So for me, I went to buy me once. I looked at the blenders they suggested. I went to consumer reports. I read those reviews. Then finally, I picked the blender with the longest warranty, the longest warranty. The blender I chose has an eight-year warranty. So my blender, if it dies after four years, it will be replaced thanks to that warranty, that eight-year warranty. Now, my friends, I asked my friends, I asked for their word-of-mouth suggestions. I heard Ninja, I heard Bullet. They love their Ninjas, they love their Bullets. But Consumer Reports doesn't back up that love with data. So use data at every turn and whenever possible. Another way to fight back in terms of buying smarter is to know that you are going to find some amazing deals for certain things at thrift stores. Tools, pots and pans and kitchen knives. Back in the day, these items were made with quality in mind. In general, right, corners were not cut and quality products were made. Let go of the notion that commercials have put into your mind that you need new, shiny, pristine, wrapped-in-plastic items. 
Head to the thrift store first and see what you can find. I am willing to bet you will find some amazing items at some amazing prices. Tip number three for fighting back against planned obsolescence is to try to repair your broken item. One of the best things about the internet is YouTube, right? YouTube has videos on how to fix nearly everything. Head on over to YouTube, type in your problem, and see what comes up. If you are not Mr. or Miss Fix-It, bring it to someone who can fix it. For example, my senior center, this is such a great idea, my, my town senior center has repair hours. So you bring in your item that you have a problem with, the seniors tinker with it, and the seniors use their collective tools that they may need. There's also like a tool bank there. And you may get your item fixed for free by members of your community at the Senior Center. Finally, uh, one resource for you is ifixit.com. ifixit.com is a website that encourages people to repair their own electronics. And the website publishes guides to help you do just that. So again, because we as a nation are wealthy, we are in the disposal mindset. We find it easier to just throw in the trash and buy new. It doesn't take as much work to just buy a new blender or buy a new this or buy a new that. Get in the habit of putting in that extra time to try and repair it first. Tip number four is to maintain your items. We often overlook this as well, but proper maintenance for our items takes work and time. There's the dusting, there's the cleaning, there's the calling servicemen for maintenance, even when your items aren't yet broken. This is why minimalists, by the way, shout from the rooftops that owning less stuff offers greater peace of mind. And that's because having less stuff means there's less to take care of. So how specifically to maintain your stuff depends on your stuff. It could be regularly cleaning the coils of your refrigerator. How many of us actually do that? (laughs) But that is really important to the maintenance of your refrigerator and can extend its life. Maintaining your items can also look like cleaning the basket of your washing machine regularly Or for your computer, it means backing up the files you want to keep, defragmenting, and reformatting your hard drive. Those are all examples of maintenance, and it's all ones we should get in the habit of doing so as to extend the lives of the items we already own. Next up is tip number five for fighting back against planned obsolescence, and that is to buy multi-purpose items. Multi-purpose items are high chairs that convert to seats as your child grows, or a crib that converts to a toddler bed, or clothes that grow with your child. These examples all have to do with children, but you get the point, right? Buy items that can adapt with you and with your family. Buying multi-purpose items is so important because buying less is the number one way to fight back against planned obsolescence. And that is the perfect segue into my final tip, tip number six, which is to embrace with open arms a slower lifestyle. Just because everybody else has the newest and the flashiest and the greatest doesn't mean you have to have it too. 
Don't overlook other ways of entertainment, like board games and books. And remember that in some cases, technology may be taking from your life more than it's giving. All right, we are heading right into act number three, which is all about extending the life of your smartphone. When you hear the term planned obsolescence, I'm willing to bet the first thing that comes to mind is your smartphone. And that's because Apple received quite a bit of bad press a few years back for slowing down older phones through their mandatory software updates. Was it intentional? Was it not? Battery gate was front and center in the media. Our smartphones are expensive, right? The new Apple iPhone 11 Pro is $999, and the Galaxy S10 5G is $1,299 at its sticker price. That is a lot of money for something with a two-year warranty. What other things do you buy for that price that you expect to die after just two years? If I was spending $999 on a new laptop, let's say, I would expect that laptop to last at least five years. So why don't we expect that same longevity from our phones? These days, the average American holds on to their cell phone for 2.92 years. And that is because the glory days are gone. The glory days, you must remember them. It used to be that you would sign up for a two-year contract and in exchange, you would get a free or cheap phone whose cost was built into the price of your monthly payment. So once your two years were up, you'd get lured back into the store with an upgrade. It renewed your contract. It gave you a new phone. It took the old phone off your hands even. And that worked well because back then phones were cheap. Flip phones, cheaper phones. It worked well for those cell phone companies. But the problem is that now we all have smartphones, and smartphones are expensive. These days, now carriers are decoupling phone prices from the service contracts. And under this new model, it is very clear in black and white how much you are spending on that new phone. So we're keeping them slightly longer, 2.92 years. But still, that is not a lot of time to keep a cell phone and If you ever have thought about the environmental impact of throwing away all those old phones, keeping a smartphone for three years instead of two years can make a big impact on your own carbon footprint. And that's because no one has to mine those rare materials for a phone that you already own, right? The number one rule of eco-friendly living is keeping your old phone or keeping your old whatever is greener and more eco-friendly than upgrading and buying new. So that is why, my friends, I have four specific tips to make your smartphone last longer. And if I talk a lot about an iPhone today, that's just because I have an iPhone. A lot of these tips work for all phones. So number one is to know that you can replace just the battery. Think about your phone as having a consumable battery. The battery is consumable, but the phone itself does not have to be. Many phones have built-in batteries that are difficult to replace, but the key word here is difficult, not impossible. Many times, just replacing the battery will extend the life of your phone and keep it running smoothly for up to two years longer. Now, 
An iPhone, for example, is known to retain 80% of its original capacity after 500 cycles. A cycle is charging your phone every night and draining it during the day. So charging your phone every night and draining it during the day, that's a cycle. So after 500 cycles, your phone should still be at 80% of capacity. Replacing your battery gives you another 500 cycles. And from a financial standpoint, replacing your battery for anywhere between $50 and $120 is considerably more financially savvy than buying another $1,000 phone. Now, know if you head to your smartphone provider and request a battery replacement, you may be dissuaded. But know, too, that this dissuasion may be just another selling tactic. Now, my mother headed to the Apple store maybe about a month ago, for a phone that wasn't holding a charge. Her phone was not old, but it was out of warranty, so it was around two years old. When she was at Apple, they told her that while they could replace the battery, there were no guarantees because her phone was out of warranty. They essentially scared her by saying that she could pay for a new battery that might work or might not, And if it didn't work, she'd have to then also buy a new phone, so a battery plus a new phone. This tactic was enough to scare her, essentially, into buying a new phone. We will never know if a simple $80 battery swap could have fixed that problem. Don't overlook a battery swap. You can extend the life of your phone by 500 cycles, a year and a half at least, if your problem is a simple battery one. Tip number two is to keep your charging port clean. So keep it clean. Use some fine tweezers. Use a port cleaning tool. And keep the gunk and disgustingness out of that charging port because doing so will prevent you having to swap that entire port out in the future. Simple. Simple and easy. Tip number three is if you have a cracked screen, know that it is replaceable. Okay, so I have a cracked screen on my phone. It's been cracked for a while. You and I have four options. Your first option is to do nothing. So my screen is woefully cracked. It's so cracked that a stranger recently saw me fiddling on it, and he came up to me and he asked me whether I slice my finger when I use my phone. True story. But my phone still works, right? The cracked screen does not affect the phone's utility. So I haven't done anything about it. And if your screen is just cracked, know that you do not have to fix it if it's not impacting the utility of the phone. Or you could head to your cell phone carrier and have them replace your screen. Know that this is a costly option, the costliest, especially if you didn't purchase your phone's extended warranty. So for iPhones, for example, you can head to an Apple store, but using an authorized repair center guarantees that your phone's manufacturer will not deny you service if you need repair from them in the future. Option number three is to go to a third-party fixer. This is your cheaper option, but it will probably void your phone's warranty. And option number four is to fix it yourself. This is by far the cheapest option. There are kits you can buy to make it easy. From what I hear, it's not so difficult to replace the screen. But again, if you do it yourself, you're going to void your phone's warranty. 
But if you're out of warranty anyway, it makes sense to try and do it yourself. But that is just my humble opinion. The bottom line is if you have a cracked screen, you have options. Do not assume that a broken screen means that you need a new phone because that's not what it means. Finally, tip number four is to baby the heck out of your phone. I'm not even joking. Baby it. Treat it like a baby. (laughs) There are better and stronger glass options on the market than what is in your smartphone right now. Gorilla Glass, for example. It is not in your phone, and that is for your smartphone provider's benefit, right? If you break your screen, you bring your phone back to Apple, let's say, and pay another $150 to put one of their replacement screens back in your phone. If you do, if you break your screen twice, you've just given Apple another $300 in screens. So don't put on baby shark videos and hand your $1,000 cell phone to your toddler. <laughs> don't bring your phone near water. Turn your phone off regularly and let it reset. As an added bonus, you'll get some quiet time. Baby your phone and prevent any problems by treating it like the delicate piece of equipment that it is. Phew, lots of information there. I so hope that you learned something on today's episode all about planned obsolescence. Now, before we say goodbye, a quick eco tip. This week's eco tip comes from Kathy. She says that instead of buying holiday decorations, collect some pine cones instead and dye them. Take your pine cones and soak them in one gallon of water that's mixed with an ounce of red food coloring if you want red pine cones or whatever color. It doesn't have to be red, but let's sit overnight and then dry them on a paper towel. The result is gorgeous natural pine cones that give some holiday color without having to go to the store and buy some decorations. Now, this week's show notes, you can find them at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 095. And on next week's show, we are talking about ways in which you and I can all become more self-sufficient. I will see you then. Have a great week. Take care. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.